Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. It's an unusual year. I've been saying that all um, very often in the last months, and so we want to help you in as many ways as we can. Modern Homemakers is a ministry that has been around for a while, and our encouragement has always been the same. We uh, speak to women, primarily young women, who are in the early stages of developing who they are as a woman of God, often young in marriage, often young in motherhood, and taking care of a home. And we stay with those four main topics all the time. And um, we're talking at this time of the year, we're normally talking about Advent and Christmas and preparing our hearts for the birth of Christ, not just for the activities of Christmas. So a few years ago, all we did in 2016 a, a series of activities to do with your children. And I decided that it would be a good thing to re-air them to give you some encouragement of practical things you can do with children. Maybe they're your grandchildren. Maybe they're your nieces and nephews or the neighborhood children that you're watching so a mom um, who's a single mom can go to work even during this pandemic time. So you'll find that on the website. Um, and it's just called Advent 2016 this year. And the first day of it offers a list of things you need at home for these projects. Glue, paper, scissors, things like that. And then some very simple activities. And when I say simple, I'm t you're talking... Uh, I'm talking to a woman who is a non-crafter, okay? So everything I created was very simple. Take a piece of... Uh, freezer paper or paper towel and roll it out on the wall and tape it up and draw a mural. We're talking simple at its basic levels. Some ideas you might not have thought about, although by now I think we've run through a lot of our good ideas for caring for our children, but in the topic of Christmas. And um, I'm pausing for a few minutes to remind you about resting, finding rest in God. And you may pull your hair out and say, is she kidding well, I want you to know that rest is not just falling asleep or the cessation of activity, but rest is taking a breath like we do in music. You stop striking the key. You take a breath in the song to prepare for what is to come. And we all agree that to rest is to stop. Um, stop. We think that that's just stopping. And I stopped to take a Sabbath rest over 20 years ago now because I was inspired by Martin Luther's life and his quote that said he had leisure time with God and I have made a part of my rhythm, a part of my ritual, a part of my routine, leisure time with God. Now, I could do that. When I began this, our daughter was long gone, had left home, been to college, um, living in our community. Um, I didn't have a full-time job. I didn't have small children to care for. My husband was uh, engaged in a livelihood that provided for us. Those are extras that I am aware of before I could start taking what I call the Sabbath rest. But I realized that it wasn't just the cessation of my time, but it was taking the heart of the Matthew passage, and particularly verse 29 of chapter 11, but here's 28 and 29 together. Come to me. Jesus so often uses the word come. 
If you don't read the Gospels regularly, can I encourage you in 2020 to start reading the Gospels regularly? Just read them. Just keep reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Keep reading them over and over and over again. You can read all the four Gospels once a month if you read eight chapters a day. Maybe you want to be zealous about it and do that. But he says throughout the Gospels, come, come, come. And in this Matthew passage, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. A lot of us feel weary and we're carrying heavy burdens, if not just for ourselves, for those we love and the world we love. And I will give you rest, he promises. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And what I'm talking about is not physicality, but I want you to know that I am, was not a restful person. I have enormous capacity of energy, enormous. I can say that because it's not something I could manufacture. It was how God made me. Um, I could go and go and go. And I used to have friends who say, I went, if I said, gee, I feel tired, they would say, thank God. Maybe I can keep up with you this afternoon. But that's just how God made me. But when I began interested, became interested in this notion of resting of my soul, it wasn't resting from work. It was resting in my work. And that's where we are. We need rest for our souls in this work that we are all engaged in, in helping one another. Uh, I have a dear friend who's been working at a food bank, helping a food bank, now directing a food bank. And for Thanksgiving, she got in her mind that these families they serve, about 300 of them, she was going to provide an entire Thanksgiving dinner with a menu that everybody dreamed of. Everybody dreamed of, and she got all the ingredients for 300 families. And I said to her, are you tired? She said, oh, I'm tired from the work, but my soul is resting. I know this is what God called me to do right now. And, and he has allowed the way. And the miracles, the miracles, I'll just tell you one little miracle. So they, they had the money given to buy the turkeys, okay? So they call up the turkey guy and say, hey, we need 300 turkeys. And he says, okay, what day do you want them? How big do they need to be? And she says, well, what about the price? And he gives her a good price. And he says, okay, pick them up. And she says, no, no, I can't pick them all up in the same place in the same day. I don't have any room for 300 turkeys. The bank doesn't have them. Well, that's how, that's the only way I can do it. Then she's thinking she's going to rent a freezer. But the guy who's listening to her, ah. Oh, God is doing a work in his life. This is how he has to do it. His company requires that you buy it and you pick it up and all done in one day. Well, guess what? She waited patiently and he called back and he said, okay, buy all 300, get 100 a day for three days in a row. And she could do that. Now, that is the perfect illustration of what it feels like to... Do your work, what God has called you to do, but rest in the fact that he has to take care of it. God has to take care of it. God had to talk to that man and make that man have a passion to help her to get the turkeys. Otherwise, we're going to have 300 defrosted turkeys sitting in the warehouse. 
So this is not about the cessation of work. It's about finding rest for your soul. I'd like to read to you a few paragraphs from a book um, on restoration by a friend of mine. His name is Mark Buchanan. The rest God invites me to needs attention. Not only do I need to make up my mind like Daniel did and have a heart transplant, but I need to take some action. I need to participate this in this, as Elizabeth Elliot would say. The world is dying for the rest of God. Mark is, I'm quoting Mark, I certainly was. I became a Sabbath keeper the hard way, either that or die. Not die literally, at least I don't think so, but die in other ways. It hadn't happened subtly over time, but I noticed that at some point that the harder I worked, the less I accomplish. Have you ever had that? The harder you work, the more exhausted you are, the less you accomplish. I was often what he calls a whirly gig of motion. Have you ever felt that? I have. I, I felt like I'm spinning out of control. My days were intricately fitted together like an old game of mousetrap, every piece precisely connected to every other, the whole thing needing to work together for it to work at all. And then he says, and there was little joy and stunted fruit. And I, I keep thinking about my friend and the turkeys because what she was doing was wanting to bless and her agency to bless these families. And, and there was joy in that, not, not little joy, but there was the dilemma. What were they going to do? And she had done everything she could do. She had figured it all out and the way they could handle it. And that's what happened. To justify myself, Marcos, on, I tell others, I was gripped by a magnificent obsession. I was purpose-driven. I said or words like that. It may have begun that way, but it wasn't that way any longer. Often I was just obsessed, merely driven, no magnificence, no purposefulness. I once went 40 days, an ominously biblical number, without taking a single day off, and I was proud of it. But things weren't right. Do you find yourself feeling proud that you're busier than the next guy or you get more done than the same woman your age who has less children or more children? There's so many ways that we hear this voice that says more, 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 more. How do I feed the dinosaur? Not less. He goes on to say, I was increasingly slothful. I could while away hours at a time in a masquerade of working, a pantomime of toil, fiddling around on the computer, leafing through old magazines, chatting up people in the hallways of my office. And I was, I, I read that paragraph and I was thinking of a young woman who I meet with regularly and she said, I, I, I have to tell you, and I've never told anybody this. She said, I have to tell you that I can watch four no brain movies in a row. And when I'm done, instead of feeling rested, I feel more agitated. And I thought, it isn't about the cessation of work. It's about the trust in God's ability to finish the project, to do it himself through you. Lead your time with God was my first step of actions, entering into a time of stillness that I could listen and take direction. Uh, I'm a multitasking woman, but it was 
per, it, it was just the stopping of doing two things at one time. There was only one thing to do, and that was the one true living God who wanted to plant in me a rest in my soul so I could do exactly what he wanted me to do. Now, I believe in multitasking. If you have a washing machine going and you're making dinner and you're listening to some podcast, that's okay. I'm not asking you to stop those things. I'm only asking you to consider what does it feel to <clears throat> have a rest of soul. So I'm going to give you three little things. One, ask yourself, how do you feel about work? How do you feel about work? 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The psalmist tells us that we'll build our house, but if we build a house without God, it is in vain. What is your attitude about work? When will it be over? How do I get through the day? When do I get to rest? The only way that I find rest is the cessation of my work. Hmm. I think so often about dishes and diapers. I remember becoming a grandmother and thinking, oh, well, that's what this life is a lot about, dishes and diapers. Um, doing it as a young woman and my own children, doing it as a helper to other young women, doing it for my daughter and for the grandchildren. Dishes and diapers were taking care of the little ones and the older ones and were providing food to sustain us. That just doesn't end. It just never ends. So how do you feel about work? Secondly, begin to take control of your mind. Take thought serious thought about your life and your activities. And now you're saying to me, are you kidding me, Donna? I don't have time to think, much less, I don't have time to do my jobs, much less think about my jobs. Well, remember that old wise saying, if you've always done what you always do, you'll always get what you've always gotten. It, it's still true. If you find rest in Christ elusive, it's because we haven't taken thought to be sober-minded about finding rest in our souls. Rest in our souls. God asks us to search our heart and see if there are any wicked ways. And a wicked way is always wanting to do it your way and not his way. Wayne Muller says, because we do not rest, we lose our way. Poisoned by the hypnotic belief that good things come only through an unceasing determination and tireless effort. And we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. Thirdly, stop hurrying. I remember as a teacher of women, mothers, teaching parenting courses and series on parenting, I would say to the mothers, never tell your children, hurry up. Never tell your children, hurry up. Never tell your children, hurry up. That Because they, in the first place, they don't understand it. And in the first place, it breeds, second place, it breeds in him the same thing that we're worrying about right now. So, you have to stop your hurry. And that doesn't mean you can't multitask. But if you're rushing to wherever I'm going and then rushing to the next stop, that is a cessation of 
soul rest. If you're always in a hurry, if you usually hate to wait, when you wait, you get upset and annoyed. Why isn't everything going on faster, faster, faster? And we are sold this bill of good that faster is faster. I, I just talked to a young friend who is in the furniture industry, and I was connecting two young friends. A young friend who has seven children who just moved to Arizona, and they left all their beds in the state they moved from because they were just going to buy new beds. And the young woman who works for the furniture company is saying, if you order a bed now, it might take six months to get it. What does that mean? Well, the sensation of that is, oh my goodness, you can't sleep, you wouldn't, what? There are a lot of blow-up mattresses around, I said. There are a lot of places that you can find. It may not be what we started out to do. It may slow us down and will look different. But can you rest in your soul? Pay attention. Focus on the moments that frantic busyness, chronic distractions, mental multitasking that will not allow you to pay attention to the voice of God, asking you to allow him to create rest in your soul. So these three very practical things to do. How do you feel about work? You may know the answer to that immediately. Can you take some control over your mind about your activities? And lastly, can you stop hurrying? Okay, Otto, I can't do all three of those. Okay, don't. Try one of them, will you? Will you just pause long enough from a recovering workaholic to another recovering alcohol workaholic? And really, I have said laughingly, workaholics, really, they're the best aholics. We're not. We're not. And we often drive others to be working harder, working more, doing more. It's hard to say no to a workaholic. It's hard to say no, but do it. It seems like a very big subject, and suddenly I feel this sense of reminding you, remember that you're not in this alone. God is there with you. He desires to reveal himself. If I say, do you believe God is with you all the time? You'll say yes. And I ask you, are you aware of his being with you? Do you know his voice when he says, stop, quit, give up, resist the temptation to do more? Examine how you feel about the work he has given you to do with your hands. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and we are talking about finding rest in God, rest in our souls. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of finding some rest in your soul. Mm-hmm.